0: The Andrea Kay Show on AM 1170. The Answer is sponsored by Andrea K. Welcome to the Andrea Kay Show. She's blonde, 5'2", and 107 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K.
1: Good evening and welcome to the Andrea K. Show. It is Monday night here in San Diego at the studios of AM 1170 KCBQ. I am so happy. I'm always happy to share this time with everybody out there. I'm especially happy tonight because I got two amazing people sharing the studios with me tonight. Of course, I got the engineer extraordinaire, DJ Carrot Sticks, who just, you know... <laughs> Allowed himself to in, indulge a little bit in a in a maple donut tonight.
0: Everything in moderation.
1: That's right. He had a balanced diet. He ate the donut, and then he had an apple. Yeah, there you go. Well played. Well played, young man. Speaking of another one of my favorite young men, here live in the studio with me. It's been a long time. It's been since I was back in Astor in the Astor studio. Yeah, else.
2: since we did a show together. Yeah,
1: that was back in Astor, probably about a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Those of you who... Listened back in the day, might recognize that voice. It's Zach gustine Z Money, baby.
2: <laughs> Hi, Andrea. Hey, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be back in San Diego, KCBQ. Love yeah. this place. Yeah. Um, great to see you. You look great. Thank you. you look, look like a million bucks.
1: Thank you. That's um, nice. good. Thank you for that. Um, you were here last time. You were in KCBQ studios. I was in New Orleans. This was yeah. last March. I was down there doing my thing in New Orleans and you took care of the show for me, did a great job, I'm told. Unfortunately, I never got to hear the recording of it, but that's that's <laughs> yeah. a story. That's a story for another time. Yeah, the uh,
2: only lost uh, <laughs> hour of radio in the station's history.
1: Yeah, well, I, but I'm, I'm told you did a fantastic job. Hey, we got a great show uh, for you all tonight. I'm glad to have Zach here with me. He always makes me laugh, but he always brings some really great insight, and it's nice to have another layer of, of thought And wisdom to share with everybody. We're talking the Keystone Pipeline tonight. We are talking the media attacks on Carson. We are talking, (coughs) we're dedicating the show, of course, to the U.S. military because we've got Veterans Day this week. And y'all know that I am the daughter of two Marines. And so really, I'm I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to find a through line to every story that we talk about tonight Because when when we're looking at a week in which we celebrate our veterans, what does that mean to you? Well, what it means to me is it means freedom. That's why they join. We have an all-volunteer force. We still do. We had periods, obviously, where we had the draft. But we have an all-volunteer force. So we have people who literally choose to put on the the uniform of the United States military, go into harm's way, and fight for freedom, not just our freedoms here, but freedoms all around the world. And there's never been a time where freedom has been more under attack than it is today. And, you know, actually, every story that we have to talk about tonight, even the economic stories like the Keystone Pipeline, are still related to freedom, because what, what, what greater freedom is there than economic freedom, in a sense? If you look at the different political systems to where people live under totalitarian regimes, It's, it's an economic system that keeps them oppressed. They don't, they're, they're under the thumb of the government, an overreaching government that controls every aspect of their lives because the government controls the purse strings. It's like that old saying, no ticking, no laundry. Hmm. You know, if you, it's all about the money, honey. And there is a direct attack from the left. And this has been a long game that's been played for a long time to transform us from a capitalist free market society. One in which this country was founded not on any handout, socialist entitlement, income redistribution scheme. It was based on the idea that if you were willing to work hard enough for it and dream it, you had the opportunity to pursue it. And that's all you were offered here in this country. And it was because of that spirit, because of not having anything to to fall back on necessarily, not having that safety net. It's like if you know your parents are going to, if you had rich parents, which I didn't. You know, part of what drove me so much in my life you is mean, that our, I was
2: our service members are not wealthy.
1: No, they're that's, not. Oh,
2: that's shocking. Exactly.
1: I mean. You know, I'm the daughter of two Marines. I grew up poor. I knew that that if I wanted to, you know, have a better life for myself economically and live the American dream, I had to work my butt off for it. I had to find a way to amass some kind of skill or you know education that would make me marketable, so somebody would want to pay me a little extra money. Um, I never ever ever felt envious of anybody else for what they had i never resented anybody who had any money more than than we did i wanted that i wanted to have that life but i always looked at the people who had more and thought they earned it somehow yeah. they earned it and i wanted to do that too yeah i, to I was
2: exactly the same way i'm i actually grew up in uh a lot of uh, like um what you'd call a urban uh, a low income housing project? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when I was a kid. And um, didn't
1: you grow up in like Minnesota, Milwaukee or uh, Minnesota? Minneapolis? Minneapolis. They Oh, yeah. They, had, they,
2: had, oh, they yes. got the
1: habit trails there because yeah. you know people live. You know, and, and it's like North minus nine hundred degrees there. I mean, you got to have the little habit trails. But yeah. I didn't know you guys had low cost housing.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Minneapolis is. I mean, it's bigger than San Diego. Um, it's in uh, North Minneapolis. Was. Uh, a pretty rough area. Uh, it was, a lot of people called it Murderapolis. But no it was way. That, you, Min- oh, yeah, you didn't see a lot of cops. Minneapolis was the hood? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, some of it. It's just like any big city. Like, some of it was real beautiful, you know, a lot of lakes, a lot of green stuff. And there's other parts of town where a lot of asphalt and a lot of uh, concrete. And um, I grew up uh, there, uh, very modest means. And there were always two mentalities, and mine was very much in the minority but, um, when you see people that have success and have affluence or have it, you see a corvette drive by or something, um, nine out of 10 people are going to hate that guy. They're going to want to uh, take it from him or, mm-hmm. or, or, or uh, it in the, in
1: the yeah, bonds. Or
2: something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always thought, what did he do um, to get where he's at?? Right. Like I always wanted to um, emulate those people. me too. Yeah, right. and uh, maybe buddy up with a couple of them and see if the, I can learn something.
1: Yeah, I mean, I even knew as a kid, even before I studied sociology and, and understood that only one percent of the America the Americans who were super rich inherited it; the rest earned it. Mm-hmm. Um, even before I was taught that, I just kind of knew in my soul and in my gut. But I also had a culture around me, people that that instilled in me. Culture is is, is a big issue that we got in this country today, Zach. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was, I know you've got a lot of military people in your family. Yes. And I don't know if that's, you know, the culture of hard work and in and, and having to earn it is so much a part of the military culture. It's also a part of the Southern culture that I came from. I don't know if that played a part in your mindset in Minneapolis.
2: Well, um, I can tell you, uh, my dad is, a, you know, a Marine um, combat veteran, Vietnam vet, mm-hmm. um, and his father was... Uh, um, Army, uh, what was called the uh, Army Air Forces uh, back in World War II and also a uh, European theater of uh, that. And um, Dad, um, you know, he didn't do a lot of preaching as far as uh, that kind of stuff goes. He was really big on um, freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. That was something that he, he hammered home a lot. See, that's
1: interesting because my dad was a big Marine guy, and he wasn't so big on... He, he, he let you know when you could speak.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Not he, my like, dad was like great yeah.
1: Santini, okay? Yeah,
2: not speaking out a turn. I mean, hey, I, I. I know, yeah, I'm just teasing. Literally, I, don't, I couldn't actually speak to my dad. <laughs> I could only listen to him. Yeah, um, I've talked
1: to your dad. He's a sweetheart. Yeah, I've talked he, to him. On
2: he the is now. He, he, he certainly is, is now. Yeah. But one thing, I mean,. Uh, <laughs> The biggest effect I saw from uh, the military is I don't think my dad's ever been late to anything in his life.
1: That's right. You got to be on time. Mm -hmm. You got to show up. You got to do your job, and you got to do work it hard Mm -hmm. if you want to get anywhere. And you know we've got a debate tomorrow night before we go to break, um, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Michael Watley regarding the Keystone Pipeline. He's an energy expert. Um, but tomorrow night, Zach, we've got the GOP debate, and it's about economics. It's being hosted by Fox Business Network in conjunction with Wall Street Journal. We, mm. I know, economics getting into some of the weeds isn't particularly sexy. Some people might be like, "Why are you lead, leading off?" You know, your your um, show tonight with the Keystone Pipeline and, and a discussion of economics, and it's because. Most people, while they don't necessarily want to talk about economics in terms of like energy, it's still the number one issue that yeah. people base their vote on. It's like, can you feed your kids? What's it costing you at the grocery store, Zach? Yeah. What's it costing you per gallon of gas? That's, you know, what most people tend to vote on. So yeah. economic issues are truly important. And I'm really hoping tomorrow night we're going to finally, for the first time, Zach, we've had like three or four debates now. I'm hoping we're finally going to get. A legitimate Some, one. A legitimate one to where people are asked legitimate questions that have to do with economics. And, and to me, we need to have a discussion in this country led by a Republican nominee who can articulate why the values of hard work and opportunity and ambition are. In a free market capitalist system is the answer, not going down the road to socialism. It sounds great. It looks great on a bumper sticker. It, you know, it feels, it, you know, nice and warm and cozy to think that, that we've got this government safety net and nobody should, you know, go to bed hungry and all this kind hmm. of stuff. But the reality is, those economic systems kill entrepreneurship. They kill innovation. They kill ambition. They kill economies. They kill nations. And they end up killing people. We cannot go down that road. And we must have a Republican Party who can, yes, get into policy discussions like taxes, talk about energy policy, (coughs) excuse me, but they've also got to be able to really... Articulate and persuade the American people why we've got to turn around from this course toward socialism and get back to a free market capitalist system. On that note, we go back. We come back. We're going to talk some ener- energy policy and some economics. We've got coming on the show tonight. We've got Michael Watley, Executive Vice President of Consumer Energy Alliance. He actually was Chief of Staff for Senator Elizabeth Dole. He also served as the Senior Policy Coordinator and Counselor for the Bush-Cheney campaign. So this guy is connected, all right? Hey, don't change that doll, folks. This is The Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer.
3: Be sure to follow Andrea Kay on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E.
1: Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's Best Local Pharmacy. LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. Welcome back to the Andrea Kay Show. I'm already having a great time here tonight. i got my buddy Zach in the studio with me. DJ Carrot Sticks, always doing a great job playing the best bumper music in the business. And I'm excited to talk a little economics tonight. You know, who knew Andrea Kay liked to talk economics? Well, you know what? I actually did study business at LSU, in, in, including economics. So I really do dig this topic Um While I'm excited to get into this topic, I'm not really happy over why. And it's because it involves President Obama rejecting the Keystone Pipeline that would have brought thousands of jobs to the United States, as well as not having the Keystone Pipeline is going to result in increases in the price per gallon at our pumps. Okay, not really a good move. But beyond that, I don't really know a whole lot on the topic. I'm not an energy expert, um, but I'm pleased to to have an actual expert on the show tonight, Michael Watley. He's Executive Vice President for Consumer Energy Alliance. Um, his resume is long. This dude knows what he's talking about here with energy. He was Chief of Staff for Senator Elizabeth Thole, uh, Staff Director and Chief Counsel for the Subcommittee on Clean Air, Climate Change and Nuclear. I mean, I could go on and on and on with Michael's resume. That's how much he knows about this. Hey, Michael Watley, welcome to The Andre K. Show.
5: Thanks for having me on tonight.
1: Well, thanks for coming on. Keystone Pipeline. Before, you know, before the break, I was talking about economics and why this is so imp- economics may not be the sexiest topic. It may not be as fun, as exciting to talk about as, you know, some other issues going on in the nation. But it is so important to us, Michael, because people do vote on economics because they vote when, when, when they can't feed their kids because they're paying $4 at the gas pump. So well,
5: they certainly do. And when you look at Keystone XL, from an economics perspective, this is a complete slam dunk. You're talking about a company that wants a $12 billion direct spend into the U.S. economy. You're going to increase gross domestic product by $20 billion, and you're going to create and sustain 42,000 jobs. And we were not only dismayed but stunned when president obama said that that is not a long-term economic benefit that warrants moving forward with the pipeline. Yeah, wow.
1: and in fact he talks about that at one point he I this is the first time I've heard 40,000 jobs. Initially I had heard him say well it was only going to bring 2,000 jobs or so and <laughs> you know those were temporary yeah. jobs. Hey, wait a second, wasn't your 2009 um Uh, stimulus program all about shovel-ready jobs that were all temporary? Why is it that those infrastructure jobs or the wasted um, money on there was some, I think, some border shed up in Canada that cost I don't know how many millions of dollars and only like two people cross that border. You know, those were all worthy jobs, right, Michael? But these aren't. He's actually wrapped this, though, around under the guise of being good for the environment, that he can't have this pipeline because it's just going to destroy the environment. You say that's not true either, right, Michael? Yeah.
5: No, it's not. And, and actually, it's not just us who say that. The State Department, the Obama administration State Department, did five different environmental reviews. And what they concluded throughout the course of all of these different environmental reviews was that this would be the safest pipeline ever built, that it would not have any significant impact on the on the environment whatsoever, and that it actually would have lower carbon emissions associated with moving that oil from the um, oil sands and in uh, North Dakota down to U.S. refineries than getting it there by other means. So you're actually increasing carbon emissions, And you're going to to basically kill off the safest pipeline ever built in the U.S.
1: Right. Yeah, because they're actually – it's not as though that oil is going to stay in the ground, right? It's still got to be transported. And in this case, it's going to be transported by railway, correct? Warren Buffett's railway specifically. That is absolutely correct. (laughs) And
5: and when you talk about the number of rail cars that this pipeline would displace, 1,200 rail cars that are going to be on the rails every day. And again, going back to the Obama administration evaluation – there, you know, his own Department of Transportation and the Pipeline and Hazardous Materials Safety Administration have concluded multiple times that moving oil through pipelines is significantly safer than moving it on barges or trucks or trains.
2: Yeah, um, hi, uh, Zach Gustine here. How are you doing? Great. Good. Um, I've always felt that um, of all the reasons to not build a pipeline, environmental impact is by far the silliest um and i can't believe they keep um passing that one as like a satisfactory um reasoning for uh not um you know uh building up this economy and all the good that could come of it because aren't aren't we now uh, a net uh exporter of oil no
5: we are a net importer we, we import on everything. the order of about 11 million barrels a day Oh no and, kidding! And uh, and and by far the biggest amount of oil that we get from any one country is from Canada, and and that oil is coming across, uh, you know, from a couple different pipelines. But a whole lot of it is coming in from oil trains, and so what we want to do is take the oil that we're getting and make it safer, and then we also want to take some of the oil that's coming in from places like Venezuela and the Middle East, and we want to replace that with oil that we get out of North Dakota as well as from Canada. So, you know, the environmental concerns that were that were talked about here were really glossed over by the president because if you go back to the environmental reviews that his own Department of State did, they say again that this is by far the safest way for us to transport oil.
1: If you're just tuning in, this is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Um, speaking of export, some of the detractors of the Keystone Pipeline said, look, it's not worth the environmental risk because that oil is just going to be exported. It's not even going to be used here in the States. How much of yeah, this oil know, would stay here? That,
5: that, that really surprised us because it's actually it's not legal for companies right now to export oil without getting a permit from the Department of Commerce, the Department of Energy. And so none of the companies that are going to be buying the oil have even applied for a permit to be able to to export this stuff. And when you go back to your economic models, here's, here's what doesn't make sense to us, is that the oil that we would get from Canada and the U.S. is significantly cheaper than the oil that we're bringing in from the Middle East or Venezuela. So why in the world would we want to take this cheap North American oil and export it and at the same time be importing more expensive oil from overseas, there's there's no rational company that would want to do that.
1: Well, it, it and to me, I, I, as I'm hearing you say that, I'm thinking, then what's what's my theory behind this? Why would they do that? Well, to me, it's because it's all about the bigger picture agenda. Um, that extra pi- price on the oil, um, ba- that that's fine. You know, that's that's the um, that's the casualty, the price that has to be paid to further the overall agenda of climate change, and to you know continue to to push for the. Um, air and wind and all these alternative alternative energy solutions that were nothing but, but green energy boondoggles in the first few years of the Obama administration. That's my theory. Well,
5: there's, I think I completely agree with your theory. And frankly, that's what the ultimately the president hung, you know, the rejection on is saying that he wants to look as we go into this conference mm-hmm. in France on climate change next month, like a leader on climate change issues. And mm-hmm. You know, again, when you talk about, you know, looking like a leader instead of being a leader on these types of issues, uh, it's really unfortunate that they're taking, you know, a $12 billion investment in the U.S. economy off the table because they want to appear to be leaders as they move into a climate change conference.
1: Right. Well, there's that. And then there's also the fact that Warren Buffett owns all these railways and that he stands to make a buku amount of money or lose buku amount of money. Uh, with the pipeline. In fact, uh, Dr. Gina Loudon wrote an article where she talks about how, um, you know, we, this Keystone Pipeline, we've been waiting on this like seven years now. Uh, it seems a little co- much of a coincidence that new rules for train cars that would prevent puncturing in the case of derailment were unveiled uh, by the U.S. government earlier this year. And she says in her article conveniently, Obama delayed the implementation of that rule for eight years. Uh, Another gift to Warren Buffett. So basically what she's saying is, you know, he's been, you know, finagling the whole decision on um, the Keystone Pipeline to benefit Warren Buffett because, you know, he's the one who owns the way that the all this oil is going to be transported. And Really. So it's about two things. It's about crony capitalism, which the left. Um, and I don't know how, whether you're bipartisan or where you stand with this, um, but the left likes to pretend that the Republicans are the party of crony capitalism, which isn't true because hmm. Buffett is the one who stands to, to gain the most here. Um, it goes, he uh, charges $30 per barrel Uh, the pipeline would cost $10 per barrel. So, you know, he would lose a whole lot of money if this pipeline went through. So to me, it's it's a combination of crony capitalism as well as the push for climate change. What's going to happen next with this? Let's say we have a Republican majority in the House, and we've got a Republican who takes the White House in 2016. What do you think happens?
5: Well, you know, Congress has already passed legislation that would grant the permit and allow construction of the pipeline. And that legislation was uh, vetoed by, by President Obama. And uh, the Senate uh, voted with 63 votes to override that veto. So they fell four, four votes short. So if you end up having a Republican president, and all four or six or eight of the presidential candidates that are running this time around have said that they would sign off on Keystone mm-hmm. XL. And so you certainly would see a congressional push to be able to grant the permit. The other way that this could work is that TransCanada has once in 2012, President Obama rejected uh, the permit application at the time because the route through Nebraska was not yet you know, settled. And so TransCanada modified the routes. They took several parts of, of, the, of the pipe and broke them off into a separate project came back and reapplied they can certainly come back and reapply for a permit again but they're they're going to wait until after the elections i would imagine before they want to move forward with that so you know considering the company has already spent over two and a half billion dollars wow. on pipe and staging and labor contracts to get ready for this thing and that they have the right of way uh, all the way from the Canadian border down through Steel City, Nebraska. You know, you talk about the shovel ready jobs that President Obama promised back in 2009. There's never been a project that is more shovel ready than this one. So, you know, we expect that TransCanada will come back and uh, try again, or we certainly hope that they will because the country needs this pipeline.
1: What is the role of Consumer Energy Alliance? What do you guys want people to know about your group and what you do in and, and the Keystone Pipeline?
5: No, I appreciate that question. We are a national nonprofit, nonpartisan trade association. We've got about 275 affiliate members and about 400,000 individual members. And our whole focus is on enacting energy policies at a federal and a state level that are going to ensure that we have affordable, reliable energy for all of our different consumers. So if you're a trucker or you're a shipper or a manufacturer or an iron and steel producer, you have to have low-cost, reliable electricity and natural gas, and you also need affordable you know, diesel and gasoline for all the farmers and small business owners and, frankly, the families all across this country. And so what we do is we try and make sure that the consumers understand energy policy and how it affects them in their daily lives, And then we turn around and have them advocate both at a federal and a state level for rational energy policies.
1: Well, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight because I actually think I have a better understanding of what this means to us. I had no idea it was 40,000 jobs. I had no idea uh, that this is actually safer for the environment. And this is really important for Americans to understand because the left, in in terms of groups like this RAIN, uh, the Rainforest Action Network. I mean, you know, these types of organizations, they push really hard. They lobby really hard. And we need people out there and we need Americans lobbying. And we need group, get, and supporting groups like yours who lobby for good energy policy for us because economically we must, must, must have this. Thank you so much for being on my show tonight. Michael Watley, how can people get more information about your organization? One last time.
5: Sure. Well, we've got two different websites that I'll throw to you. The first is uh, buildkxlnow.org for all the information you'd ever need on Keystone XL. And on any other energy issue, you can learn more at consumerenergyalliance.org.
1: Thanks so much. Have a great night.
2: Thanks, Michael. Have a great night. Thanks.
1: All right. Now, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to shift gears a little bit because over in the Midwest... Is another big story that's happening besides the Keystone Pipeline. It's what's happening in Missouri. And I'm hoping my buddy, KCBQ's buddy, Craig Sewing, is going to be able to call in and shed some light on what the heck is happening in his home state with this whole hunger strike and president and the chancellor of Mizzou having to step down. Just all kinds of shenanigans still going on in in, uh, Missouri. Hey, you're listening to The Andrea K. Show on AM 1170. The answer I'm here with?
2: Zach Gustine.
1: We don't want you to change that dial. Don't change the dizzle, manizzle.
3: Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show. And like her Facebook page at Andrea K, Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Convenient, homestyle recipes, and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego-style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican
4: get
0: it too do you struggle with the day-to-day management of your business
3: You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer.
1: Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Glad to have you here with me tonight. Hey, before the break, we were talking about this Keystone Pipeline situation, which, you know, we've got unemployment. The real unemployment rate is in the double digits. It's close to 25% for African-Americans, particularly young African-Americans We've got, we keep hearing all the time about how we've got all these, you know, people coming here for work and coming across the border and, you know, you know, and we're going to reject the Keystone Pipeline, 40,000 jobs when we've got people that are hungry. You must not care anything about putting people to work. You must really be wanting to increase the dependency class when you're turning down 40,000 jobs.
2: And I'm guessing these aren't uh, minimum wage jobs either. Um I'm guessing they're they're pretty desirable.
1: Uh, prevailing wage jobs. <laughs> yeah. Right? At least. Yeah, at least. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? Hey, build that let's go with that pipeline and maybe I'll go put on a hard hat and swing yeah, a hammer.
2: I'll go pound a few nails. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can shovel snow. Yeah. As good as anybody.
1: Yeah. Speaking of pounding nails, I wanna pound my Eyeballs with nails. When I hear stories about what's going on in in Missouri, I get this text. By the way, from Craig. Y'all know Craig Sewing. I'm on Craig Show every Tuesday. Love Craig to death. He sends me a text earlier. I really want to call in and talk about this Missouri situation, this Mizzou situation. I'm enraged over this. Well, I guess, so I text him back, okay, Craig, well, feel free to call him. Well, I guess he's not that enraged because he didn't didn't call back. But, you know, I think I'm pretty enraged over this. Um, Zach hadn't really heard the story. I guess he was really busy today. But the story is this, Zach. You've got some punk named Jonathan Butler. Of course, this is not far from Ferguson, Missouri, right? Yeah, and he's just his in hysterics over the rampant racism that's going on supposedly in Mizzou, and so he decides that something's got to be done about this. He's going to start a hunger strike. Thirty-two African-American black ball players decide they're going to join him in this hunger strike, and what's this all Are about? These uh,
2: football players?
1: <clears throat> I guess it's football and basketball players. I'm not really. I'm not really hmm. sure. I don't know that much about the the program there i I think it's just football players because there's only one coach involved so these these kids end up over nonsense end up basically taking down the president and the chancellor i guess i shouldn't say taking down because shame on them for actually rewarding these punks and caving into them this is Um, anarchy, in a sense. Here's what happened. Let me tell you what. You're probably thinking, well, gee, what really happened on this school to make these, these people want to launch a so, hunger strike? One, and one, I'm guessing and, this
2: team must not be any good. Well, yeah. Uh, they're not, if they can afford to have uh, players going on hunger strikes and making political uh, statements and stuff like that.
1: Well, I think, well, then, uh, you know what? I really think. They're of, not yeah, winning. Well, well, the LSU ball players probably should have tried to come up with a reason to launch a hunger strike Saturday before they went into Alabama to play that game. Anyway, but here's what got this kid, Jonathan Butler, all outraged. Here's his cases of racism on the school campus. State law prevents Planned Parenthood from performing abortions on campus, and he says that's racist. Hey, Butler... The Planned Parenthood was started by a woman named Margaret Sanger, whose entire purpose was to wipe out the black yeah. race.
2: Oh, the irony there. I wonder <laughs> if this kid has any idea. As soon as I heard about that, about the Planned Parenthood thing of uh, being racist, I'm like... Uh, I think they're preventing racism, Yeah, uh, keeping them off campus.
1: Stay in school, fool. What are they teaching there? Obviously, they're not teaching any truth in terms of, of history. His other example is that some unknown person who nobody knows about and nobody's seen and nobody can name supposedly yelled an ugly racist word somewhere at some point in the history of the school. Because he hasn't been tracked down. It's like, are you kidding me? Why why don't we we shut down a school and do a hunger strike when some some guy says some nasty word against a woman? Okay? We have freedom of speech, Zach. Mm -hmm. People hurl nasty words and say nasty things at people. You're going to try to shut down a school and declare an entire school racist because of that? Oh, and here's the third one, which now they're saying is probably a hoax, and it's that a swastika supposedly was drawn in feces on some part of the campus. So on the basis of those three things supposedly... All of these kids decide to basically upend an entire school. And as a result, the president and the chancellor quit. You know what? You two needed to go. If you're going to knuckle under this kind of foolishness on, on a campus, I would be mortified if LSU was doing this. This is absolutely outrageous. And then the coach, to make it worse, Zach, he backs the players. Yeah. That's I would hope that if this was going on at LSU, that Les Miles would get on the phone with every one of them, tell him you better get your butt back to Death Valley and get on the practice field and get your butts on the field or you're off the team.
2: I started losing faith in the whole uh, um, athletic uh, character building aspect when uh, the coaches stopped making the players cut their hair. Yeah. (laughs) They used to, like, you'd see... um, Oh,
1: John Wooden did that at UCLA. He was famous for that. Yeah.
2: I mean, you could set your watch by these kids' haircuts and stuff, you know, and they're just... They all uh, looked uh, well-kept, you know, uh, like... It was about
1: standards. It was about an image. It was about, you know, this is... It was kind of like a military mindset in terms of you're a part of a team. This is our organization. This is our standards.
2: And you want a clean image and you want to represent the school well. And, like, uh, they didn't let... uh, the inmates run the asylum and let the kids look like slobs and hippies and, and whatever. Like, you know, as long as you can throw a football, you can look however you want. Um,
1: I mean, we've got this kind of race baiting going on in a university campus. While in, while we've got a presidential candidate, Ben Carson, who's who, uh, like Rush Limbaugh is talking about, is basically a victim of electronic lynching going on out there yeah. by the media. It's like we are just completely off the rails. President Obama ran in 08. As the guy who was going to unite us, he wasn't going to, you know, preside over, you know, the red states or the blue states, but the United States. And he has done more. It is not a coincidence that this is happening. This is because he has fomented and our government and the left has fomented this kind of racial divide. And this is basically these kids here using this and exploiting this culture we have here in order to get their way.
2: Yeah and in any african american anymore that that makes it um without any kind of handouts or any kind of uh um help mm-hmm. are always uncle toms or whatever exactly. you know that's they did it to clarence thomas Um, Yeah, they're they're doing it to Ben Carson. They've done it
1: to Alan West and Herman Cain. They did it to Colin Powell until he turned around and turned traitor against the Republican (laughs) Party. They gave him a career as the Joint Chiefs as well as Secretary of State and said, oh, there's a racist element in the party. Really? Then how'd you get to where you are? How did how did um, Condoleezza Rice? How did all the other ones? I mean, we're actually the party. You look at the Democrats. They're the party of old, crazy white people. They got Hillary and they got Bernie Sanders. Yeah. you know we 're the party of diversity, but what it 's all about it 's about victimhood it 's this mindset of victimhood got to make black people think that they 're victims of white America and that this is a nation of white supremacy. And in order to keep them enraged, they got to make the Republican Party and white people the boogeymen, and then the Democrat Party can offer them entitlements. And that's that's ultimately yeah. they're being used, they're being exploited, and the Republican Party really should be getting behind Ben Carson. Um, you know, I, do I think that? He, I don't, I don't recommend anybody vote for Carson just because he's black any more than I thought anybody should vote for Obama just because he's black. That's well, racist, too. I'm changing my vote now. Yeah, you are?
2: Yeah. What? Just based on that recommendation. Well, yeah. I was going to vote for him just because he's black, but I, I'm, <laughs> I've changed my mind. You, You're voting Fiorina.
1: You're voting Fiorina, aren't you?
2: <laughs> yeah. They, um, I mean, um, that's why I think Obama was, was such a media darling. I mean, not only just the D next to his name— But um, it appears that I mean, whichever version of his bio you happen to be reading uh, at any given time, um, he appears to have taken advantage of all of these government programs uh, to get where he is today. Mm -hmm. Um, Like all of the, uh, you know, um, the college money and the um, the different kind of uh, whatever hands up or hands out. Mm-hmm. um that he got for you know today's an immigrant uh, today's not mm-hmm. um you know uh he's hawaiian he's kenyan whatever I, I think he took advantage of of all of these uh government programs and he's the a, uh, a success story uh following that path and all these other guys you know like ben carson or uh you know um like the jackie robinson types um they don't uh they don't speak well to uh, um, taking the easy way, right? Or um, they're self-sufficient people, and they 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 prove that you don't need any of those socialist programs.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, we have such a double standard right now in terms of, in well, in every aspect, you know, not just you know. Not just the fact that we've got um, Carson in the electronic lynching. And we're going to talk... To, coming up, I've got, you know, Daniel Payne from The Federalist. We're going to talk to him about that. Um, <clears throat> but we've got... Everybody's being held, everybody who's a conservative, particularly black conservatives, every, are held to a different standard. We've got a double standard hypocrisy with women going on. We need a Republican presidential nominee, Zach, who can articulate... Or do they not let me ask you let me ask you to this way i 'm rambling okay. a little bit because i 'm trying to i 'm trying to go all around my points i 've only got two minutes here before we go to break oh. when you 've got the double standard going on mm-hmm. the media is buying into it. You control the message, and you control the minds when we 've got a media that is willing to lie and propagandize and play the identity politics game. On the part of the Democrat Party, fostering hate and division according to the lines of race, according to the lines of gender and age, all meant to do exactly what you're talking about, which is, um, you know, it's all about the victimhood. Yes. Does the Republican Party need to come out and directly address that um, in the way that I just did Or should they just deal with it from a policy standpoint? For example, let me ask you this, give you an example. Don Sherman is a friend of mine on Facebook. He says the Republican Party needs to fight against the Democrats when it comes to the women identity group. We need to do more for working moms. And I said, no, that's not the solution. We're trying to then fight them in terms of competing um, based upon the same identity politics game.
2: Yeah, I think the Republicans would do well to Never mention any demographic whatsoever for any reason. Just, um, just talk about Americans. Don't talk about class. Don't even use the words middle class. Uh, don't use. Uh, don't say African American anything. Don't say women anything, um, because you can. You can only hurt yourself. You know. Um, everybody's waiting for somebody to make a gaffe or to say something. Uh, you know use the wrong colloquialism or some stupid thing. I mean, these are a a bunch of old guys, I mean, and gals. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the potential for making a mistake that can be pounced on is, is just too great. And it's, and it's trying to beat the Democrats at their own game. Like when they talk about wage inequality and stuff, you don't come back at that, trying to explain that, um, women, uh, that it's not true, you know, or try right. to... Then it sounds like you are waging war on women. You just... You talk about um, everyone as uh, as Americans and as equals and leave the uh, the class warfare and the race baiting to the Democrats because I think people are sick of it.
1: Yeah. Well, we got to leave it there. When we come back, we're going to talk to J- uh, Daniel Payne from The Federalist about the attacks on Carson in the media. And um, then after that... We might be at the end of the hour. We'll have to see. After that, though, I'm hoping I'm going to have a little chance to talk about the audacity of myth, the truth about Obama. Hey, don't change that doll, folks. This is The Andrea K. Show on AM 1170. The answer. And if I share with you my story,
2: would you share your dollar with me?
1: Be sure to follow Andrea K.
3: on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. And follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. Kay, spelled K A Y E.
1: Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's Best Local Pharmacy. LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990.
3: You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer.
1: Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Hey, glad to have you all here with me. Hey, I know I promised you Daniel Payne before I went to break, but I just was rambling on so much with Zach. I didn't realize I didn't have quite enough time for Daniel Payne. So we're going to bring him on after the, the top of the hour because... Um, that's a really important topic in terms of, of Carson and the media. And, and I think it's also good to save to the top of the hour. Cause after that, we're going to talk about the GOP debate right now. I want to talk about, um, Bibi. Did you hear that? My man, Bibi was in DC today. Benjamin Netanyahu. Oh, baby. Someday, someday I'm going to have a chance to meet the great man. Um,
2: how old is, uh, Netanyahu? He's,
1: he's ageless. He's ageless and timeless, and there's never been a man who could rock a suit better than B.B. I mean, he is just talk about strength. But let me tell you, he is a very serious man, and these are very serious times. And Obama did what he always does. He basically spit in, in Netanyahu's face basically made some stupid remark that, you know, oh, other than this little tiny thing like, you know, uh, Iran getting a nuke and wiping out everybody, other than other than that, you know, we're good, right, B.B.? Uh, other than that little tiny hmm. point, we actually agree on everything. Here's the latest involving the Iran nu- nuclear deal. These people chant death to America every day in their yeah. schools, every day in their streets, while they were negotiating this deal with us or while John Kerry was throwing us under the bus, I guess I should say. Yeah. Before, These people, during,
2: and after. Yeah, before,
1: during, and after. They were burning our flags in the street. That now has stopped out,
2: since the 70s. No. Yeah.
1: Now we find out, <clears throat> it was just uh, come to light last Thursday, that both the U.S. and Iranian officials confirmed that no American nuclear inspectors will be permitted to enter the country and, and inspect their nuclear sites. What? So the whole point in all of this was supposedly to keep these people from having a nuke? You know, I, I look back, I'm thinking back and flashing back to, you know, Hillary in the Democrat primaries in 08, saying, no, she would not. I, you know, we'd be, we'd be in better shape right now if we had had her mm-hmm. than him. Although, you know, I don't know if that's true or not, who but knows. who knows? But I mean, with it, <laughs> come on, we're months away from these people oh, getting man. a nuke. This is a man who literally, these people mm-hmm. have said that their entire goal in life is to destroy Western civilization, the United States and Israel. Mm-hmm. He has negotiated an agreement to where uh, Americans are not even allowed to go in to inspect.
2: Yeah. How are people's memories so short? I mean, don't we recall that we did this uh, once? Does anyone remember Madeleine Albright uh, going over to North Korea? And uh, kind of a same exact thing where these are people who we did not do business with for a long, long time.
1: Well, and, well, they sent her over there, but actually it was Jimmy Carter who brokered that deal. And now these people have nukes. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, th- they're safer with the nuke than Iran. These Iranians over there, these Muslims, they are, I don't know that the North Koreans have any religious beliefs, but these people over in Iran <laughs> believe that they're going to be rewarded by destroying the entire world, and that is their mission. We have a president of the United States who is outsourced Our defense to the IAEA, because that's the comeback from the Obama administration. Oh, don't worry about it. We've got the inspectors from the IAEA. And, you know, what a great job they've done before, because those are the same inspectors that were supposedly over there in North Korea looking to see what was going to happen over there.
2: I still haven't heard a rational case made by by anyone, even the best of them over on that side of how giving them nuclear capability prevents them from getting a nuclear weapon.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's it's one of those riddles.
2: And I love that uh, Donald Trump did uh, in his closing, I believe at the last uh, debate, called that deal the worst deal of any kind that he's ever seen in his entire life. Yeah. The Iran deal.
1: Yeah, I actually like the way Huckabee said it. Huckabee said that he wouldn't trust Obama to negotiate the sale of a couch on Craigslist. <laughs> That's how bad it is. Now, what is what is Iran, what are they all about? Why can they not be trusted with a nuke? Because they're Islamists. What do Islamists believe? They believe that it is their mission, their caliphate, to destroy Western civilization and destroy all the infidels. And thank hat tip to, to Doc Porbin. Um, because he posted, you know, we've been told uh, that, you know, it's all these, the refugees coming out of Syria, a situation that we helped create over there. Oh, it's all these women and families, and oh, you're heartless if you don't want to take these people in. And then we see all the images, and what they are is a bunch of 20-something jihadists, that it just everywhere they go with these refugee camps, it's nothing but conquest and destru- destruction and filth. Now we find out, we're reminded, thanks to Sean Porbin, this was an article that I actually... Uh, Talked about last year. Um, The date in this article is Christmas Eve 2014. And it was an interview uh, with ISIS over in Syria. Hmm. And this interview with this top fighter, basically, he says, we will conquer Europe one day. He says, it's not a question of will we conquer Europe? It's just a matter of when that will happen. He said, for us, there is no such thing as borders. Yeah. Say what you want lines. about
2: ISIS, but they are uh, pretty accessible uh, dudes.
1: Yeah, they are accessible really, dudes. really
2: down to earth folks. You know, they're down. They're, yeah, yeah. And you
1: know what? They're crystal clear as to what their yeah. agenda is.
2: They'll do all the interviews in the world they and will. they'll say it right out in the open.
1: But yet we somehow can't seem to find them in order to take out the terror camps. Mm. But they said that our expansion will be rapid and perpetual. And the Europeans need to know that when we come, it will not be in a nice way. Isn't that the truth? I mean, day after day after day, now there's constant reports of rapes and of murders going on in every country over there in in Europe that's taking these people in. This is what they do. The definition of Islam is conquest. It is. They want to take over and destroy Western civilization. He goes on to say those who do not convert to Islam or pay the Islamic tax will be killed, including Shiite Muslims who do not go along with them. And we have a president actually bringing refugees like that here actually started a long time ago, even uh, under the Bush administration. And, you know,
2: even though they want to levy the uh, Islamic uh, infidel tax, they're not actually Islam. Obama um you know he will he'll keep um repeating that and mm-hmm. so will right. his ilk you know those those guys are not islamic
1: yeah it's the, not real yeah the transformation is going on creeping sharia here in this country the takeover from within is here ham tramp i don't know if i'm saying that right in michigan not too far from your former neck of the woods it's a city near detroit it just elected its first Muslim majority city council in the United States. It used to be a Polish Catholic enclave. Now it is let's see that it is somewhere between 30 and 50% Muslim. And oh. do you know who just won who got the highest number of votes in this Muslim community? It's hmm. an immigrant A 28-year-old student who moved to the United States in 2009 and became a citizen two years later. Yeah, we need immigration reform, Democrats and Republican Party, but what we need is we need to stop bringing people here who want to take us over from within, who are from these Muslim countries. Actually, That's what we need to do.
2: The very first uh, Muslim congressman was from uh, Minnesota. Yeah, it was Ellison. Was, yeah, Ellison. Yeah, and, he, and, and I mean, believe he swore in on the Korean. He did. Yeah. And
1: he's and he is cozied up and has, has been involved in, in um, fundraising for CARE, the Council for American yeah. Islamic Relations, which is a front group for the Muslim Brotherhood with terrorist ties. He absolutely should not be. And one of the things I liked about Carson is Carson said, no, we should not have a Muslim president. Islam is not a religion. It is a totalitarian political system that hides behind religion. It needs to not be declared a religion so that it can have protected class status here in this country. And I'm looking for a Republican Party. And one of the reasons why this should come up again, and even in tomorrow night's debate, even though it's an economic debate, is because it goes in line. The Democrat Party is cozying up with the Islamists and the Muslims here because Marxism, which is what the left is all about now is is compatible mm-hmm. with islam and sharia because yeah. they are about centralized governments of complete control over the people and their economic systems yeah. I and- always
2: like to ask the question if uh, if the terrorists if ISIS or whoever you name it over there could vote in our elections who would they vote for Ooh and how I think anyone would know the answer to that and when you answer the question you want how can you vote for the same person
1: Yeah that's the question of the day. Mm-hmm. Would I? Who would ISIS vote for? I wish that would be the question on tomorrow night's mm-hmm. GOP debate. Yeah. Hey, don't go anywhere because when we come back, we are going to talk to Daniel Payne from the Federalist about the Carson and the media attacks, as well as the GOP debate. And guess who else is coming up? Diamond and Silk, right here on the Andrea K Show.
0: Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde. Five foot two and 107 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K.
1: Welcome back to the Andrea K. Show. This is Hour 2 here on AM 1170, The Answer KCBQ. I'm having a great time here tonight with DJ Carrot Sticks, my buddy Zach Gustine, who ran out of the studio just now. I don't know where the heck he went, but that's okay, because I've got my next guest with me tonight. I'm super excited to have him on. He is the uh, senior contributor, actually, to The Federalist. As well as a blogger, His, he is none other than Mr. Daniel Payne. Here tonight to talk about all these the media smears and the attacks on Carson. Well, hey, Daniel. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. Thank you, thank you, Andrea. Good to be here. Well, I'm. You know, I had to have you on today because I saw this article that you wrote. First of all, I love The Federalist. I love all the work that all y'all do over there. But the title of your article just really grabbed me. How do you solve a problem like the media? Of course that the the title reminded me of my favorite musical, The Sound of Music. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
6: that was yeah.
1: <laughs> which was very clever and cute. Um, you can't be old enough to even really be familiar with the movie, right? Uh, uh,
6: no, I, uh, I'm sure they're going to remake it in a few years, though, so I can, I can watch it then. <laughs>
1: well, actually, they already did. It was a hideous live performance with Carrie Underwood. It was terrible. Um, oh, that's right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, hey, thanks for coming on. I did love your article. It is it, talking about the attacks on Ben Carson, and I want to get into some of the details of your article because it's it's – giving some common sense solutions to those of us who pay attention to the media and how we should really be viewing the media in terms of content and truth. Before I get into that, which I love your points, by the way, right. the attacks on conservatives that happens all day, every day, Daniel, why is it that the, the attacks on Ben Carson, not just the Politico, but others, but especially the political piece, why is it that the attacks on him have struck a chord with people?
6: You know, I, I think that it is, it is so obvious to, to most people, um, and, you know, especially the people on the left who see Carson as a threat, that Ben Carson is a, a really good guy. Um, he's a very, uh, you know, very moral person, a very kind person. Um, he, you know, appears to be very honest. Um, he, uh, he's clearly, uh, really, really intelligent. Uh, he's, you know, one of the, the top neurosurgeons in the country, maybe the world, I think. Um, so I think when, when you have these attacks leveled against him that are, are just one after the other are so transparently baseless, uh, and biased and, and not rooted in truth, People are going to get upset about that because people really like Ben Carson. I really like him. He's he's not my preferred candidate, but I I really think he's a. I just find him to be a very compelling and likable guy. So I think that's why a lot of people are responding so
5: negatively to these um, these attacks.
1: I agree, and I also think there's an element of the fact that it's hard to avoid. Not only are they so blatantly um, untrue or dishonest in in. Some of their attacks on him. But you can't also deny that it's so blatant in the double standard and the hypocrisy that you couldn't ask any questions about Barack Obama when he was running in 08. You couldn't ask any questions about his background. You haven't been able to ask one question or criticize him in any way since or you're going to be accused of being a racist. So and you know what? So many people bought into that and said, you know what? I don't want to be accused of being a racist. And maybe I need to check myself and really think about what my motivations are. So there's been this whole narrative for so long now that then when you see this conservative black man get attacked, you go, well, wait a second. You know, come on. You know, what's going on here? So I think that the d- the double standard and the hypocrisy that people see has also... People are just so fed up, too, with that whole double standard and the whole race card thing. i got to ask you this question. You say in your article, he's not even in your top five. He says that these attacks on him are coming because he's number one in the polls, and he's the only threat against... The real threat against Hillary Roden, HRC. Is it Rodham? Yeah, Hillary Rodham, yeah, well, Clinton. Uh, so... If that's true, then why isn't he in your top five? They see him as, as top five.
6: They, they do. The, the, the voters, uh, you know, those who have been polled, see him as top five. Um, I, I think that, that part of the reason that he shot up in the polls is because of all those qualities uh, that I mentioned before that, that people are clearly responding to. Um, I think part of it has to do with the dynamic between him and Trump. Uh, you know, they are kind of starting to root for this guy who's finally, uh, you know, overtaking the unovertakable Donald Trump. So uh, I think that's why a lot of people are encouraged. Um, for me, I just um, I I find that he doesn't um, he doesn't seem to have as good a grasp on, uh, you know, sort of a broad range of policy. Um, that uh, that uh, a number of the other candidates have. Uh, I favor Marco Rubio, and I really like the way that uh, you know he's talked about uh, you know dismantling big government and the way it's a, an existential threat to the American dream and the exceptionalism mm-hmm. of America. Right. I, I haven't heard that kind of uh, like really profoundly. Um, a uh, convincing and compelling talk from Ben right. Carson um but it's it's not really motivated by uh by any real dislike of of Ben Carson so much of it is uh so much of it's just a, a greater like of a Rubio and some of the other
1: candidates, right? Well, you know, so many people right now are, are still waiting, and and I haven't I haven't thrown my name or, or hat behind anybody yet. I need to hear more. I don't think that we've got had any real debates yet, where right. real questions were were asked with a legitimate amount of time for each candidate to answer. For me to really have a good picture, I loved kind of what Ben Carson's been able to talk about in terms of the American dream and his story about how he rose up from poverty and. You know, the the value of the free market capitalist system and what that means as opposed to the entitlement society. I love how he articulates that, but I right. do need to hear more substance in terms of policy. And I'm hoping tomorrow we're going to finally get into a little bit of that. I wish we'd get rid of the entire format of of moderators, have predetermined questions, have an intern set a, top watch, a, a stopwatch and let them talk. I think then we might really have a, have a true picture of who each one is. Is, um or each one are, pardon my grammar, you're the writer. I'm not uh this is the this is the election though of the outsiders. Rubio's not an outsider. Uh, are you you're asking if he is an yes. outsider? I'm asking you your perspective on that. If everybody seems to think that the reason why Trump, Carson, Fiorina are really, you know, who she Fiorina's not in top three right now, but she's had a lot of momentum because she's an right. outsider. The, the 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 theme seems to be outsiders. And even on the left, you got Sanders, you know you know the feel the burn, summer burn. Right. So, do you think it's still going to be that, or do you think that that some of that's going to kind of fade away, and then you're going to see the Rubios and the Cruises kind of come to the fore?
6: You know, I honestly, I mean, that's the thing about this 2016 race so far, is that, you know three months ago uh, four months ago you know i I would have said, oh yeah Donald trump he'll be uh he'll be out you know within within a few weeks he'll flame out and get tired of it and go I would have said the same thing about Ben Carson. I even would have said the same thing about uh, uh you know the arena uh you know she's not doing as well as the others, but she's still you know she's still a presence in the debates and um all of these folks, I would have assumed that they that their uh you know kind of their outsider status that uh you know drew so many people to them would eventually, uh, and very quickly, rather, uh, result in their being out of the race. The fact that that hasn't happened yet, I'm I'm not quite sure what to predict anymore. I know what I want to happen. Right. Uh, But as far as guessing whether or not uh, uh, Trump or Carson or or, uh, really anybody in this race is going to peak and decline or stick around for much longer, it's just really hard to say. And that's actually, um, in a number of ways, uh, you know, really... Really exciting! It's, mm-hmm. it's neat to see uh, the shakeup uh, and see you know see something different. Uh, it's also very confounding and nobody's really sure what to what to predict next. So um, you know, ask me you know twelve hours from now, and, and I'm sure something <laughs> will have <live> been. <in>. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. If we had a after the debate, we'd probably have an entirely different conversation. One thing that we right. do know is going into 2016, whether Carson and Trump and who all stays in the top five, they are going to come under. Incredible attack. Trump and Carson, their numbers still stay strong. So I do want to get into your article because it does talk about the media and what happens. And you've got some some points to address that, because you said even with even yourself, here you are a seasoned journalist and you got sucked into the Carson story yourself. Well, tell everybody about the Politico for those few people who didn't know what happened with Politico. Let's start there.
6: Yeah, it's, it's really kind of astonishing. And it's it's. It's increasingly hard to be astonished by the lengths to which uh, most of the media will go to, <laughs> to smear uh, any conservative or Republican they can get their hands on. But basically what Politico did, uh, this gentleman named Kyle Cheney over there, um, basically what they did was they uh, examined a passage in one of Carson's books uh, and a number of statements he's made over the years, claiming that he received the offer of a full scholarship to West Point University, um, to West Point the Military Academy, excuse me. Um, and, um, they contacted the campaign and basically asked, well, did, uh, did, Ben Carson ever apply to West Point? And his campaign responded, no, he did not apply. Um, and Politico took that to press and said that Carson had fabricated and for years lied about his application and acceptance into West Point. um so they they basically took something that Carson never said they said he said it and then said he lied about it uh, and I um, mean and if you actually read the the relevant passages that they were examining and the statements that have been made, Carson never claimed to have applied to West Point. and in fact, uh, numerous times has claimed the opposite that he only applied to one college, which was Yale University. so they they took something Carson had never said um, and and made it as if he had lied about it and it was absolutely brazen and when Carson's campaign and Carson himself pushed back and pointed out the ways that they had Uh, really slandered him and lied about him, Um, they uh, very quietly edited the article on Politico, changed the entire substance of it and the initial premise to something that it wasn't before – and then claim that they stood by their original story. So basically, they said we were wrong about it, but we were also right about it. It was it was kind of breathtaking. The building to which they went to to make Carson seem like a liar, and they still have not apologized for it.
1: Well, can they be held to well? It's not—you say it's slander, but they can't technically be held legally responsible for that in terms of, like, defamation, can they? Because they did kind of retract it, but kind of not retracted it. But then he did—where would it stand legally in a court of law? Could he sue? You no,
6: know, I I doubt that he could sue, and I think that would be a very terrible idea for him to do it. I think that it would make him look very bad. Um, and also, I think that kind of just more more on a philosophical level, it wouldn't be the right thing to do. Um, you know, they have— they, uh, They didn't say, you know, Ben Carson uh, killed 10 people on this date and so and so and so forth. Um, They made what was clearly a dishonest and uh, malicious set of statements uh, on this hit piece. But they did it in such a way that they could surely cover themselves in court. Um, And if anybody were to bring legal action against them, particularly Carson, it would look very bad and he would lose. And and I don't think it would be the right thing to do anyway. So that's probably not a good line to follow.
1: Well, do you think that it was a good idea for him to, when he starts getting questioned about stories involving hammers and knives, do you think it was a good idea for him to come out and say, yes, I was violent? Come on. Let me prove to you. Let me let me convince you that I was violent in my youth. How how, to me that which was completely absurd that we had the left trying to force this gentleman, this neurosurgeon to convince people that he had been, you know, this crazy, you know, violent young man. But is he responding in a way that you think is good? To these scandals, people seem to be getting behind him.
6: I, I absolutely. I think that uh, purely from kind of a, a cynical PR perspective, um, it's it's uh, it's great publicity for him to be defending himself in this way. But I also think that it's it's, uh, it's really appropriate because mm. that's been a really compelling part of his story that he was. You know, today he's soft spoken. He's friendly. He he seems like you know the gentlest soul on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have this story, which which I do believe, uh, I don't find it uh, troublesome at all. Uh, to have this story that he was once uh, more violent, that his temper would go off, that he was uh, he was really not the person we see today. Um, that's that's um, you know something that you want to defend because it shows how far you've come and it shows the conscious type of choices that you've made. Um, to become who you are today. So I I think it's very uh, worthwhile for him to defend that. I think it's entirely appropriate, particularly when when people are are basically calling him a liar on it.
1: Right. You have three bullet points in your article about what people should do when they're reading. There's so many news sources out there. And you give some really common sense yet important points in your article for people as they're presented with news every day. One of which I found interesting was, well, I don't know if it was, I don't remember if it was one of your bullet points, but you said, you know, don't necessarily discount the mainstream media and and come to the conclusion that they're all 100% biased. Tell everybody what your recommendations are. As we continue to go through this presidential cycle, we continue to get confronted with attacks on conservatives.
6: Right, yeah, and, and I would never want to be uh, – I would never want to give the impression that people should, yeah, be, be constantly paranoid about what the media is telling them and constantly convinced that, yeah, they're all lying 100% of the time. But uh, when you have this uh, fairly constant onslaught of, of dishonest attacks on Republicans and conservatives generally, uh, yeah, there, there were a few rules that especially, uh, you know, in light of the fact that I myself kind of uh, got suckered into this Politico story briefly – um, I think there's, there's a few good rules to, to just kind of keep in mind when you're, when you're consuming mass media. One is just be skeptical. Don't, uh, you know, don't, again, don't do everything with 100% suspicion or be hostile to every media source. But if you're reading uh, a controversial topic, particularly one about uh, conservatives or Republicans, the GOP, this and that, just be a little skeptical initially of what you're reading, um, especially if it, <laughs> it seems to confirm, uh, you know, uh, liberal biases. Um, the other was to read very carefully. Uh, the second part was to, to read very carefully what's been written. Um, that was the mistake uh, I made with uh, with the Politico piece, is that, you know, I read it and certainly absorbed everything, but, uh, but uh, you know, I really kind of, in, in retrospect, glossed over, the the parts that would have, should have signaled that something wrong was going on something something was amiss here uh, if you if you read the words very carefully and you you know keep an eye out for you know certain certain languages and uh, you know ways in which the piece is written you can probably uh, in some cases pick up on a little dishonesty or a little dissembling going on. If I had been that careful with the uh, with the Ben Carson kind of smear of last week, I might not have embarrassed myself by signing on to it so quickly. Um, and the third, and I think this one is really important, is uh, is to read the source material that's being cited or quoted or referenced. Uh, one reference that uh, one reference that I made in the piece was that you know for years we've been told by you know feminist activists and columnists and pundits and everything like that that. Uh, that uh, the so-called campus rape epidemic on American universities is perpetrated mostly by a uh, very small number of repeat serial offenders. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been a, a pretty religiously repeated fact, that um, that I think 90% of campus rapes are committed by a very small number of serial rapists. And it turned out when some folks at Reason went over and uh, went... Uh, into this, uh, the study that had sort of uh, spurred these, uh, this crusade rather, um, they found out that the, the the statistics were based upon a totally flawed. Investi- uh, investigation from 2002 uh, that didn't really have anything to do with uh, with college sexual assault at all. It was just totally misleading. And now there's you know there's some back and forth on that, and the the author of the study is trying to fight it out and justify its work. But but for you know, many years uh,
1: that was considered just you know accepted fact.
6: Right. Was, you know, you just couldn't challenge it. It was something that everybody knew. And then when when some folks just followed the paper trail and read the actual study, it was like oh. this actually doesn't seem to be correct at all. So if it's a study being cited, if it's somebody's book, like uh, Dr. Carson's book, um, if it's anything that's that's being referenced and brought up and critiqued in some way, just go back and read the source material. You might not find anything, but if it seems controversial or incredible in some way, it's good to really examine a primary source uh, Mm -hmm. to kind of get a better picture of them
1: yeah well we all now have if we have the ability to read all these articles we've got the ability to source them to fact check them ourselves and do our own homework before we just immediately jump onto a bandwagon it's just too easy to hit that retweet button isn't it too easy yeah. to repost something on facebook or to click on that share button and then later on go oops boy i've been so guilty I of that before it, it I've makes you
6: it feel so good at the time though you I know? Know.
1: <laughs> especially if you think you've scooped somebody you know fake breaking news
6: right, right
1: yeah well hey daniel thank you so much for coming on the show tell everybody where they can find this article and more of your of your work and, and where you're at on social media.
6: Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a senior contributor for The Federalist. Um, you know, you can find me on Twitter at Daniel J. Payne. And my personal blog is net. So you can find me at all those places and uh, check out what I'm doing.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye so while the media has been doing an electronic lynching as rush said of ben carson we've got years and years and years of no vetting you weren't allowed to ask any questions about obama you weren't allowed to talk about why he sat in a pew for 20 years at reverend Wright's church and you weren't allowed to question uh what was in his dopey book of course we now we now know so much much of of what he has said what obama has said about his life you know it uh Timothy Shea made a, a funny joke on Facebook. He said, you know, Carson trying to to justify and, and back up his story with the hammer was like Urkel trying to get street cred. I mean, I, I don't even know if he should even I don't even know if he should even be responding to this stuff. He should be saying, hey, wait a second. Look at the book that was written uh, by this gentleman named uh, his last name is Manassas, who wrote this book. He spent years following out Ob- around Obama trying to fact-check all about Obama's stories as as he was basically writing a biography on Obama. And going back to 2011, it was it was proven. Everybody knew that the lies that Obama told about his grandmother or his mother, one of them being denied insurance because she supposedly had a pre-existing condition, was a lie. She was de- denied disability insurance. We now know that all of his stories in his book, Dreams of My Father, about women, that women were composites. Which basically means that they were lies. This guy Manassas went around and interviewed Marinus from, from WAPO. He interviewed girlfriends of Obama's. They said that story that he told about how he had gone to a play and came out and got in a big fight with his white girlfriend never happened. She went to, she went to see Beverly Hills Cop with them and they didn't have a fight afterwards. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's total book, Dreams of My Father, was all a myth. Brent Bozell has written a great article, by the way, uh, called The Audacity of Myth, in which he talks about criticisms of anybody you question obama whether or not he was born in this country and ooh you're labeled a birther meanwhile the people in the media continue to act as though they he calls them the the mythers the people who buy into the myth that obama has put forth about himself and the reality is is he was nothing but a pot smoking layabout who went to school although the the wapo author here marinus suddenly for some reason the book the expose on obama that WAPO did not, when WAPO did an excerpt of Marinus' Marinus's book, left out all the lies that Marinus found out that Obama had quoted. Um, but, you know, now that we know all these lies about Obama, anybody care? Where's the electronic lynching going on of him? But Marinus's book ends right before he goes to college. I want the real. You want to talk about Ben Carson? I think Carson did come back and say, hey, wait a second. I'll talk about what I did in college in West Point when Obama unseals his records. That man spent $10 million to hide his records. I want to know whether he went to Occidental College or Columbia as Barry Sotero. I want to know what his grade point average was. I want to know why nobody Mm -hmm. at Columbia even remembers him. Part of what he said in the book, too which was to give him street creds, Obama street creds for being a socialist, was he talked about how he saw a reflection of himself in a mirror in a suit and his first job and how he had a secretary in an office. And, you know, he saw that reflection of himself and was like, what have I done? You know, like he's just gotten on board with these evil capitalists on Wall Street. Come to find out he, he was basically in a low-level gig in the mailroom.
2: Yeah. Uh, you, At what? least it was a job.
1: Yeah. You're hey, a... <laughs> Had yeah. tip. At least he had a yeah, job. At
2: least it was a job.
1: Yeah. Now, my job right now is to take a break because I'm way past my break time. Got to gotta pay some bills here. When we come back, we got to pick this up on the other side. We got more topics to talk about, and we got the ladies known as Diamond and Silk right here on the Andrea K Show. So don't go anywhere, people. There are times when people need a little extra money, honest, hardworking people, and some banks don't always make it fast or easy. But finally, there's a company who gets it, who can help my listeners who need it, Avant. You simply go to avantoffer.com to check your rate, risk-free, with no effect on your FICO score. Complete your application in minutes, and the funds could be in your account as soon as tomorrow. If any of my listeners need a loan between
0: $1,000 and $35,000, go to avantoffer.com. Avant will give you a $50 Amazon dollar Gift card after you make your first payment on time. For this offer and to
1: check your rate risk-free, go to avantoffer.com and enter promo code borrow. That's A-V-A-N-T, offer.com promo code borrow. Avantoffer.com
0: promo code borrow. Loans made by web bank. Funds are generally deposited via ACH for delivery next business day if approved by 4 30 p.m. Central Time Monday through Friday. FICO is a registered
5: trademark of Fair Isaac Corporation. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions apply. See website for
0: details.
1: Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's Best Local Pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990.
3: You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The answer.
1: Welcome back to The Andrew K Show. Glad to have y'all here with me. I was looking down at my phone. I wasn't even paying attention. All of a sudden, I heard my man DJ Carrot Stick say mics are hot. Ooh, I'm just going to keep talking a little bit so I keep hearing that song. That's one of my... Is that yeah. the Isley Brothers? Who is that? I think so. I you just were,
0: looked up Celebrity
1: Apprentice theme song. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, now's the time where we got to talk a little Trump. Because before the break, actually during, uh, during the break a little bit ago, uh, Zach Money and I were talking about who do we like yeah. in the GOP field? That's what and we do.
2: We chit-chat we during chit. the breaks.
1: We make with the chit in the chat. We say
2: things, you know, that uh, you guys uh, really wish you could hear. <laughs> yeah. All the good stuff. Yeah, the good stuff. Just between us.
1: Yes. And so he. we were talking about who do we like in the GOP field? And we were talking about Cruz and he was telling me, Zach was telling me about how W says he just did not like Cruz. Something about him he just doesn't like. And you know, W is not one to badmouth people. He kind of keeps opinions to himself. That's kind of an interesting feedback for him. And you and I asked you who was your top person because right now Cruz is in the lead for me because I think that I think that he is got. He's staying strong. He understands the Constitution. He's a limited government guy. He doesn't have high unfavorables like Trump does. He's strong on policy. Um, he's got the Latino thing going, so he can play a little bit of the identity thing. I think if Trump goes away and if Carson goes away, in terms of the whole outsider phenomenon, I think I think Cruz is is, is likely to take it. But you said, who's your top dude?
2: Um, I'm. Uh, I like Trump. Um, but I I don't know why. I, I almost feel sort of uh, um, shy about about saying so um just because I, I get so much um well people that know me know i'm not afraid of scorn uh for sure no. but um people you're often um, on the
1: receiving end of it from your comments yeah. by the way on facebook
2: yeah absolutely um but uh people who um i think uh they behave almost like i've betrayed them uh, when i tell them that that i like uh, trump and that i'm i'm a fan of his
1: Well, I initially had Trump Cruz as my dream ticket, but the only reason why I have a hesitation about Trump is for the reason why you said you had a hesitation about Cruz on the break is that you said you felt like he might be that guy who gets into office and you're thinking he's one way and then he shocks you. And Trump has had a history in the past of supporting the Democrat Party. He's actually made comments about if, you know. If you want a strong economy, you need a Democrat in office. That's given me a little bit of pause. I like a comment you made on Facebook. I've quoted it many times on my show to where you said the number one issue we have is the border. If he does nothing else, you believe that Trump will take care of the border issue and that would be. So that in and of itself, I'm with you there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think he is um, every other candidate put together. Um, is not as serious about the border as Trump is. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would vote for him seriously just as a one-issue candidate if he devoted his entire uh, term to fixing the border and fixing um, illegal immigration in this country. To me, um, that would be four years well spent. And I believe, and on the flip side of that, if he does... um, somehow fail and nothing changes or whatever happens. I will also rest easy at night knowing that I guess it can't be done.
1: Yeah. Like yeah. Uh,
2: if, if, if he, he didn't can't do it, it um, mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, at least I'll know that he tried 110%. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I tell you who else loves Trump. Trump has two phenomenal supporters, two ladies that have taken yeah. YouTube and the internet by storm I don't know if anybody knows their real names, but they are known as Diamond and Silk. Hey there. Now, am I actually talking to Diamond and Silk? You're yeah, actually talking to Diamond and Silk, yeah. Oh, ladies, I am so excited to have you on the Andrea Kay Show tonight. Thank you so much for being here. All the way from Milwaukee, right? Y'all are there for the debate, right? We're there. yes, we are We're right here. for the debate. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh wonderful. Um, now I gotta tell you I became a fan of y'all's back after the first Fox debate, after which y'all took that Meg and Kelly Kelly, Maggie, Maggie, Kelly, whatever your name is, y'all need to. You need to go back to Sesame Street. That's what y'all said about her, and I loved it. Oh, my goodness, she wasn't She wasn't doing her job the right way during those debates. No, so, she what? wasn't. No, she wasn't. Now, I, I got some questions for y'all about tomorrow's debate because you said you're going there to make sure that Donald Trump gets the respect that he deserves. And I want to hear all about that. But so many people are curious about y'all. You've just become so popular. So many people love y'all. But I don't think many of us really know who is Diamond and Silk and Silk and Diamond. Tell everybody a little bit about yourselves. Where y'all from? What's your story?
7: Well, well, we're from North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And uh, we just started opening up about media biases when Donald Trump announced that he was going to be running for president. I called Flip. I said, "Flip, you have to cut on the TV looking Donald Trump." She called me back halfway through. She said, "Girl, this is going to be our next new our next president." That's right? And uh, we started noticing that the media started pushing back when it came to him. Started calling him derogatory names, mm-hmm. and we took it to uh, we took it to our YouTube channel mm-hmm. and just started talking about it, and it just became very popular.
1: Awesome. Where yeah. in Nor- where in North Carolina you from? Saidville, North Carolina. Okay, I was born at Jacksonville. I'm the daughter of two okay. Marines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so give it okay. Yeah. <laughs> so y'all give a shout out to all the military. Um part of my show tonight is we're doing a little um Veterans Day military salute. So give a little shout out to the military, will you ladies?
7: Okay, we will. Shout out to the, all of our veterans. Y'all know we love y'all. And listen, the man y'all want to be voting for is Donald
1: Trump. That's right. the only want to have y'all best interests at heart. Oh yes. Now, why do y'all love Trump Trump so much? Why him? What is it about him that has y'all so sure that he is the right guy for us right now to take this country back?
7: Well, you know what? He represents spirit. Mm -hmm. You know, our country has been united for a while. And so he's bringing back unity. He's going to bring back opportunity. You know, he wants to make sure that the American people are kept safe. And that's what we love about him. He cares about the American people and he cares about all of us. Mm-hmm. And baby, that's why we stopped for Trump. Mm, you what? Know, he's going to bring jobs back to this country where people can thrive again. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's going to protect the border. You know, that's what we need. You protect your home, you protect the White House, but you leave America's house wide open, that's not right. Yeah, it's like, it's like so they've all... We
1: yeah, they've left the front door open. They act like I'm supposed to leave my front door locked, and then if somebody comes in, it's my obligation to, to give them clothes and feed them a meal from here on out. Yeah. Absolutely, that's right, that's right. And, you know, why is everyone, you know, you want to
7: call him out of his name because he want to follow the law? Because mm-hmm. when I break the law, I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to jail. <laughs> that's right, you and I will go to jail. So now, crazy. Hillary,
1: Hillary ain't going to jail, okay, for that's any true. of the laws that you know she's you're been breaking. you absolutely right, yes. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. Now, y'all, y'all did, you did start speaking out on media, bias, and I know that you are behind Trump, but what do you think about all the attacks that have been going on against Ben Carson?
7: Okay, well, with Ben Carson, we respect him, you know, and everything, but Ben Carson, I wish he would have not kept saying how he beat us, how he stabbed this one, and did this. I think he opened up Pandora's box for him to keep on asking him more questions, and now Seeking out and speaking out you yeah know, yeah you don 't want do. to be
1: yeah you don 't want to be a famous, brilliant neurosurgeon, having to try to convince people that you were once. You know, trying to hit your mom in the head with a hammer. Okay, I don't really think that's where you want your presidential campaign to be. But I do think that that, that it's unfair to him. Stories like what Politico did, saying that he lied about the West Point and all that. That's just flat out not true. And, you know, Trump seems to be the only one. Who effectively Carson pushes back and, and you know, and he puts it back in their face with the media, but not as much as Trump. And that's one thing that I like about him, because we know that the media is in the tank for Hillary and they are going to go after all of our presidential candidates. And we need a nominee going into 2016 who's going to push punch somebody right back between the eyes if they come after him, <laughs> just like he did Megyn Kelly Absolutely. after that first debate. Right.
4: Now, yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: yeah. Now, exactly. um, y'all got a video the other day about Marco Rubio, in which y'all did yes. some school, y'all did a math lesson. Okay, about Marco Rubio and this government credit card. Now, I was shocked to find out that he spent ten thousand dollars on a family reunion. Because, see, my family reunions were all about us bringing. I'm from Louisiana. I I was born in North Carolina, but anyway, we were all about bringing our Popeyes fried chicken, okay, and some pecan Mm -hmm. pies to the family reunion. Tell it, tell everybody about Marco Rubio and this government credit card where he spent ten thousand dollars for a family reunion
7: yes, he spent $10,000 on a family reunion mm-hmm. when, you know, okay, first of all, why are you taking and charging your bills to uh, a government-issued card? And they say that, okay, the, the, it was issued by the GOP. But still, taxpayers' money donated to the GOP or whatever. They didn't donate for Marco or Rubio's uh, bills. That's one thing. And then he wanted to say mention something about Donald Trump about his, uh, what, what happened in his past and his deal. Donald Trump used bankruptcy, used the law, Marco right. Rubio, he broke the law because anytime you take your bills and you charge your bills to uh, government issued credit cards, that that means that what you're doing is stealing in a way because now you want the taxpayers to pay for that. And he never would have gotten caught if no one hadn't call, didn't call him out on it. The, would, the taxpayers would
1: end up paying for that. Well, and that's true. And one of the things that I love so much about y'all's video, though, is what you talked about. If he can't manage his own economics for a family reunion, Reunion. Okay, how can he be managing our debt? We're $17, $18 trillion in debt as a nation. Right. We don't need somebody blowing $10,000 on a family reunion when he could have done it for how much did y'all say in that video? A dollar? That's, That's $1. all he needed That's right. was $1 for a Sharpie, okay? Go find a park. Right? Go find a park somewhere. Ask That's everybody right. to bring bring a potluck and wear a white t-shirt, okay? You don't need to spend $10,000. Right, ladies? That's right. That's right. Now, t- Anybody, you know, you make $174,000 a year, and you mean to tell me you were that? I, I, that's crazy to me. Exactly. And, you know, I don't know where he's, if he's from Florida originally, but us Southerners. I don't know about North Carolina as much, because I spent most of my time in Louisiana, but we manage our money a little bit better than that, at least when right. it comes well, to family reunions. nobody like that, man. They're no, we House, don't. Man. Yeah. Now, what's going to happen at this debate tomorrow? What's, what, what are y'all expecting? What's going on there tomorrow?
7: Well, I'm, I'm expecting for them to separate the boys from the men. Mm-hmm. First of all, i them just start dropping out. of am going to go ahead and get on out. Yeah. And then I want to hear substance. Well, I know my man, Donald Trump, I know our future president is going to bring it. Okay. Right. But the rest of these here, people, okay, what do you have to say? Come on. Come, come on. Tell us what you got to say and then bow out and bow out great. Right. A lot of these here are sitting on the stage, are career politicians, mm-hmm. right. telling us the same they already bought and paid for. The one thing about Donald Trump that we love, he's not bought. He can't be bought. He's paying for his own campaign. There's no puppet master pulling his strings. He's not a puppet. And that's what we love. So that means he's going to work for the American people uh-huh. and not for the puppet masters that's going to be pulling the strings. And that's why we love Donald Trump and that's why we sell for him. And hey, you can find out what we are about
1: if you visit diamondandstilts.com. Awesome. We love you ladies. Now you're gonna, you said you're going to make sure that he gets the respect tomorrow. You're going to have words with them fox moderators make sure trish and and them ladies ago they ain't gonna go down that megan kelly road right well
7: I, listen i hope we don't ha- i hope we don't have to take it there we're gonna be looking out we to we'll see who's naughty
1: who's nice and who's doing any kind of trickery oh. we will be calling it out That's yeah right. all right now y'all gonna post a video afterwards and give your commentary give your analysis absolutely absolutely. yes we are right. now we, tell everybody yes, again we. where they can find you all and where they can see the video
7: Okay, they can see the videos on our YouTube channel for viewers' view, and they
1: can go to diamondandsilk.com. All of our videos are posted there as well. Awesome. Are y'all on Twitter? We are on Twitter, Diamond and Silk. Awesome. Ladies, thank you so much. Have a great time in Milwaukee, and you keep them honest, them Fox moderators, oh, we, will. we Love you. You. <laughs> you take care of Trump. Love y'all have you a great night. Too. Okay. Bye-bye now. All right. Bye-bye. Diamond and Silk. Kind of reminds me of that uh, song that Prince, didn't he have a song called yeah, diamonds diamond and, and pearls diamonds and pearls. That would have been funny. So there's, there's your fellow Trump supporters, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, do you agree with them in terms of their analysis, in terms of why they like your man, Trump?
2: Yeah. You know what? Um, they really, uh, I mean, they're, those two are, are salt of the earth. too, <laughs> man. Um, I, I like them. Um, but yeah, they, they touched on a few points. I mean, they're all um, they're pretty broad, but I can't say that um, that I don't agree. I mean, just well, so
1: I well, I love I think I think what they had to say about Rubio is brilliant because the truth of the matter is, it's not just about the ethics of him putting ten thousand dollars on a government card. It's about literally what they're saying is true. We used to have the Wallace family reunions in Wiggins, Mississippi, mm-hmm. and ten thousand dollars would have. Done two generations of family yeah. reunions. If 10 family grand reunion, on a family reunion? Are you a, kidding me?
2: If a family reunion costs 10 grand, uh, no one in my family would know each other.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
2: I could tell you that I uh, probably uh, the combined weddings of everyone in our family might have cost ten grand.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean it's like that. What does that say about him and money? And you had actually said, you know, earlier uh, on the break. Of course, we were talking at break that some of the things coming out about him. The issues are the criticisms of Carson in terms of whether or not he applied to West Point or what. Doesn't really. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous and stupid. But some of these things about. Rubio, in terms of finances and money, do That's actually, real. they are real because. That is because
2: concrete and it's directly analogous to, uh, to how he'd the be as kind pro- president here.
1: Yeah, being. because we have an economic crisis in this country. We're $18 trillion in debt. Tomorrow night, they're going to be talking about their tax plans. They're going to be talking about, like, Carson's got his flat tax p- plan and Trump's got a simplified plan that still has some tears going on in there. None of them really address it unless we get into some serious spending cuts. It, we have got to cut back the entitlement. We cannot fund and pay for all the entitlement programs we have. And I'm not talking about Social Security programs that we actually pay our own money into because the government takes it from us under the promise of giving it back. The average age of a Social Security a recipient is in their 20s and it's a college kid, and it doesn't have anything at all to do with what it was the program was originally yeah. planned for. That's the issue that we need to deal with, and you know, I'm I want to hear more about that from the individual candidates and your thoughts on money and debt and and how money should go and who should pay for it. You know, people do tend to run their professional lives in the same way they do their personal life. Yeah,
2: and and Rubio, I, I'm sorry to say, has really disappointed me like when I, I to me he was kind of the dark horse this whole time I took a uh, this really comprehensive uh poll that I mean it was really really comprehensive and, and really well done uh, a survey uh, I guess if you will um to see uh which candidate is most in line with your views and I actually got uh, Marco Rubio uh matched up to me 90 percent and um really? so I've always I didn't expect that at all, and so I've always had one eye on him, thinking maybe he might um, surprise everybody, and he might be um, the one, whatever. And uh, I can say I think for a hundred percent sure that he's lost any chance of my vote, yeah, uh, because of he's shown that he's a guy that if he thinks nobody's looking, he'll um, he'll make a he'll help himself.
1: But it gets down to it's him, and he's got the nomination versus Hillary.
2: Oh God. Uh, Yeah, there's no question there. Um, I mean,
1: you know, I I think we're at a situation to where in America to where it's so difficult to be a Republican running for office. The op-ed researchers are so nasty. Against
2: Webb? There you got a Uh, conversation.
1: Yeah. Um, Maybe. Maybe. Well, the thing about Webb is the guy is center left, but amongst Marxists on the stage with him, the people are looking at him and going, you're looking like you're a Republican. Yeah,
2: they're treating him like he's David Duke or something Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And uh, he he reminds me of the Minnesota Democrats. Uh, Minnesota has kind of their own uh, little Democratic Party called uh, the DFL. And um, it's, uh, they're... It's a blue state as blue as can be but they're normal uh democrat you know they're mostly all religious people and they have values and stuff like that. They're kind
1: of like Kennedy Democrats in a sense and the reality is is that most people might think of them as really Republicans. Like if they were in the DC area they'd be
2: Yeah, they're just more um common sense uh Democrats. Uh, still wrong. Yeah, Still wrong. Well, but- we had some of those in
1: Louisiana back in <laughs> yeah. the day. I voted, you know, for, I can't remember the guy's name now. I was oh, there was like, Zell
2: Miller was a Democrat. Oh, I love, yeah. Absolutely. He was awesome When he was guy. talking
1: about Saddam Hussein, he's like, what are we supposed to fight mm-hmm. him with, spit balls? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, there, you know, I, I I, could vote for a Democrat over, mm-hmm. you know, uh, over some ridiculous Republicans, because there are some Republicans that are, you look at Arlen Specter who switched sides and went Democrat. Yeah. You know, and then you look at Joe Lieberman, who left the Democrat Party and went, you know, um, it, whatever happened to Lieberman?
2: Um, he's, uh, isn't he,
1: uh... Did he die? Can no. somebody Google search I, that for uh, me? Yeah, somebody Google good. search that I, for me. Do we need to take a quick break, Todd? Yeah, we need to, Todd's motioning, we need to take a quick break, then we come back. the went final, The final countdown, the final lap of the Andrea K. Show, right here on AIM 1170, The Answer. Somebody Google, let me know, is Joe Lieberman alive, dang it.
3: You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM1170 the answer.
1: Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. We are in the final round. We got about seven minutes left before we got the end of the Andrea K Show. Best I'm,
2: two hours in radio. Yeah,
1: I'm having a great time tonight, even though Todd just told me on the break that the Chargers lost. The last time I was looking, it was like sixteen to seven. I mean, are you kidding me? The Chicago Bears came here and we lost Jay Cutler. Is that what you're telling me, DJ Carrot Sticks? <sighs> yeah, it's a tough one.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs>
2: that is just uh, yeah. That's the kind of color commentary you come to expect exactly, from, uh, just, just
1: from the crack staff here on the yeah. Andrea yeah. K Show. Here's the good news, Zach. Climate change is all a hoax. Here, I know you were you were panicked that you know the oceans were going to rise at all the I- Arctic ice was going to melt mm-hmm. and that your house in Burbank was going to end up underwater like by the next year. The good news is actually a, a study just came out. Um, according to this NASA study, 90% of the world's ice is not melting. Imagine that. Who, who yeah. thought? Yeah. Um, now, of course,
2: Antarctica is actually gaining ice.
1: Uh, yes. That's what yeah. this study came out. Now, the guy who, um, the glaciologist, Jay Zawali says, hey, I know some of the climate deniers are going to jump on this. The fact that, you know, Arctic ice is actually increasing. He says, but it should not take away from the concern about climate warming. What? Are you kidding me? Although this is the same guy who said that um, the Arctic Ocean would be ice free by the end of the summer 2012. Hmm. And yet we still yeah. have Americans out there believing this climate change. Crap. Well, see, the party I'm, I'm of science, a, wake up.
2: Yeah, I'm not a climate uh, change denier uh, per se. I, I'm it's called definitely seasons, honey. a, uh, you know a man-made climate change denier yeah. um, uh, for 100% sure. I yeah. think um, the idea of, of getting hybrid cars or Chevy Volts or, or changing your light bulbs, like in L.A., for example, where it's a trendy thing to do if the entire city of la blinked out of existence it would have no effect on anything it's a tiny tiny like uh, yeah
1: same thing here i mean part of a part of gore's inconvenient truth was to scare people to death he was showing all these images that if you know with the ice melting that manhattan and florida would all be completely underwater according to this article if a hundred percent every bit of the planet's sea ice were to melt that would only cause the sea levels to rise by five millimeters. That's yeah. nothing. Then if you add in all the Antarctic ice shells, the total uh, rise of the sea levels would be 1.9 inches. Talk about mass hysteria. And the, yeah. the American people believe it. We're teaching this in our schools. The you know, volume,
2: yeah, it's, 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 it's ins- all this drop in a bucket thing that people are just way overvaluing. Like, I mean, anyone knows um, the percentage of the earth that's landmass compared to, to water, it, it's tiny and the a percentage of that, that's ice, but
1: they're not being taught that in schools, Zach. Yeah. They're not being, I mean, no, it, the this ocean
2: is-, is as big as the sky, like as far as volume or whatever. I mean, how much water is there? Yeah um to melt a couple ice cubes in there. Uh. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's insane. And the, what this is all about just like the Keystone pipeline, every bit of it is about control. Liberalisms want to liberals want to scare you uh with this climate change stuff because what it's about is an energy policy that's going to control our lives from what mm-hmm. kind of car we're supposed to drive to setting our thermostats to try to moving us into urban areas yeah, and taking us out of a the suburban one. areas. It's a, they want to turn us into socialist mm-hmm. Scandinavia. Well, um, and the Andrea,
2: few- we're roughly the same age. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you recall uh, the global cooling
1: Ooh, so oh, yeah. Oh, in the last two minutes, I've got to bring finally my guy, Urban. Sorry yeah. to interrupt you, no, Z. No. Cool. But tonight is is for Veterans Day, and I've been really hoping that this caller would have an opportunity to call in. Absolutely. Those of you who, who know my show, Close Up on San Diego Business, know that I have a true American hero who's a part of that show. His name is Urban Mayares. Urban is a Vietnam veteran who was found in a body bag three days later, and just an amazing American hero. Urban, thank you so much for calling in tonight.
5: Well, thank you so much, Andrea, and uh, happy Veterans Day.
1: Thank you, and I only have a couple of minutes. Um, what would you like to say? I started out the show tonight with a tribute to the veterans saying that, you know, we have an all-volunteer force now since Vietnam. And you're all, anybody who's ever worn the military, uh, the uniform of the United States military is a hero who fights for our freedoms and freedoms all around the world. And it's a time for us to honor you all. And so what would you like to, we've got only got two minutes left. What would you like to say tonight?
5: Well, I think basically the same thing I say to the kids when I talk in grade schools and uh, middle schools and high schools is that when they go to bed tonight, just say thank you because there are military men and women around the world right now who are not sleeping as comfortably as they are that night, and mm-hmm. the reason they're comfortable is because of those who are serving. Yes. So Just say a thank you. That's all they. That's all they need. They hear
4: you.
1: Well, uh, just and say thank and. You. And we thank you, Urban. And I wish I had more time with you tonight. So I'm going to have to beg you to come back on another time so that we can talk about the VA. It's a scandal that I've continued to cover on the show here. You just went to the VA today. And so if you can, if I'm going to impose upon you this next week for you to call back in and give us an update and let's talk about that further. Um, I got to leave it there tonight. I just want to end the show by thanking you. And and all the military heroes for your sacrifices you made for us. It's been such an yeah. honor working with you, Urban. I love you so much. Thank, Thank you, you for, for calling in tonight.
5: All uh, well, right, Thanks so much. I love you too, Andrea. And uh, everybody have a good night's sleep and say thank you.
1: Thank you, Urban. You got it. All right. Good night. Hey, thanks to all you out there as well. tuning in to the Andrea K. Show. Tonight. I'm right here every Monday night from 8 to 10. And set your clocks, your alarms for next Thursday, the 19th and Friday, the 20th, because I'm going to be hosting America Trends TV again for Dr. Gina. And let's keep this conversation rolling on Twitter. I'm at Andrea K. Show and on Facebook. Where can people find you, Zach?
2: Oh, gosh. People can find me on uh, Outlaw Radio. You usa.com or on Facebook I'm uh, always accommodating
1: All right have a great night everybody love you all thanks Zach love for you, being
0: Andrea.
1: here
0: The Andrea Kay show on AM 1170 the answer is sponsored by Andrea Kay.